Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. Thank you, Brother Michael. Good morning, everybody. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. Good to see everybody here. I'm going to be getting right into our lesson this morning. If you would open your Bibles with me to Daniel chapter 11. And uh, hope everybody had a great 4th of July this past week. And uh, I do want to say, I do want to say today's a special day because today is our First Lady's birthday. And... uh, Happy 30th birthday, Sister Bounds. We love you. We're so grateful for you. We honor you today. We have the best pastor's wife in the entire world. We really do. They've worked all day yesterday and, and, and beyond, and we're just so thankful for them. And Sister Lakin had a birthday as well this past week. She's somewhere in the room. Happy birthday, Sister Lakin. To everybody else that had a birthday that, that I just now offended that we didn't announce. Happy birthday. We love you. Daniel chapter 11 and verse, I am so excited to teach today. I just can't hardly stand it. Uh, Daniel 11 and 32. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Would you say that part with me? But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Today I'm going to continue our series on accidentally agnostic, covering the subject of how many gods are there? How many gods are there? It is the goal of, it's my goal today that by the time this session is over, that um, there's no possible way to cover everything today, but it is my goal by the time this session is over that we have an understanding of how many gods there are and why it really matters to know the answer to that question. And so would you lift, I know we prayed, but would you lift your hands with me and let's pray one more time. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We honor you. God, we want to know why we believe what we believe. God, we want to know truth. God, we don't want to know tradition. We want to know truth. God, we don't want to know religious practice. We want to know truth. And I pray, God, that you would open our understanding to your word. Your people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And I pray for knowledge in this room in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Acts chapter 17, I'll review here just for a moment. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 16, Paul arrives on the scene of Athens and saw a city wholly, entirely given to idolatry. All of those living in Athens, the Bible says in Acts 17, and 21 spent their time 
in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. As the Apostle Paul walked around the city, he saw the gods of Athens, the idols that were being worshipped. One of the ancient writers tells us that at this time, there was approximately 30,000 gods in Athens. Easier at that time to find a god in Athens than, than it was to find a man. As Paul walked through Athens, he saw the gods that were believed, worshipped, worshipped and offered to. But the final altar, and I don't believe this is an accident, the final altar that Paul ended up in proximity to was an altar built to an unknown God. Paul tells us in Acts 17 and 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. I don't believe it's an accident that Paul traveled through Athens seeing all of these gods and altars and ends up at an altar on Mars Hill inscribed to the unknown God because here is the principle that we can pull out of that uh, chapter. An absence of absolute truth creates the presence of the unknown. Good morning. Everybody with me? The absence of absolute singular truth creates the presence of the unknown. If there's more than one truth, that means none of it is true. If there's more than one absolute truth, that means neither are true. And if there's an absence of the knowledge of truth and an individual, it creates, it can create an agnostic an individual who believes there is a higher power, who believes there's something out there but has no knowledge of who, who that higher power is, what power they possess, what they're able to do. It is possible to be in the church and have no clue what you believe. It's possible to be a part of the church Perfect attendance since 1974 and have no clue what you believe, who you serve, why you do what you do. We are not here to fulfill religious plastic routine. We are here to know our God because if I can know my God, I will be strong and I will do exploits. Amen. I don't want to be the individual that, that, that Jesus records in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8. This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth. They honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. He said they, they do routine. They, they give me lip service, but in reality they're their heart is far from me. Paul combated this spirit at Mars Hill. Paul combated the absence of absolute truth by a declaration in Acts chapter 17 
and 23, he said, I found the inscription on this altar to the unknown God. But he doesn't stop there. He says, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Paul said, you might not know who your God is and who you are offering to, but I want you to know that you might not know him. You might not know what truth is, but I'm going to declare unto you who this God really is, who your creator really is. Paul said, you might not know, amen, but I know, and I'm going to share it. Oh, how can you hear without a preacher? How can he preach except he be sent? Amen. God uses the foolishness of preaching and God gives us access to the knowledge of who he is through his word and through his man. Amen. And if we can follow the instructions of his word and the man that lines up with that word, then we will know who our God is. Then we will not have to ignorantly worship Worship a God that is just out there, but we can know him, we can pray to him, amen, we can understand who he, for we have not an high priest who cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmity, he's a personal God, he's our God, he's my God. And I'm so glad that he revealed himself, amen, to this world, amen. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 14, straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a day, in an hour where a wide road exists. Just believe the way you want to believe. Let's all get along and tolerate one another. And I'm all for getting along with people. But I am not for getting along with people at the expense of compromising what truth really is. If it's between getting along with you and sticking to what the word of God says, give me the narrow path. Give me the way that few are treading. I'm not interested in being everybody's buddy. I'm interested in making it to heaven. I'm interested in walking the way he wants me to walk, living the way that he wants me to live. Today, I'm going to answer the question through the scripture of how many gods there are. But first, I want to answer the question, why does it matter how many gods there are? Why does it matter? Why can't we just believe the Bible? Why, why can't we just, what, why does it matter how many gods there are? Ladies and gentlemen, it absolutely matters how you believe on the subject of how many gods there are. It absolutely matters. Why does it matter? I'm glad you asked. Back in the back in the 1980s, 90s, and early even early 2000s, there were several debates. There was many debates between uh, between religions and, and belief systems. There were there were debates on the topic of of how many gods there are. There was Trinitarians versus uh, oneness debates. There was all kinds of debates in in that in that era and. 
and uh, ultimately those debates stopped for a few reasons. Uh, one, it didn't seem to resolve anything, and 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 two, it, we live in a different era. Uh, we live in an apathetic era. Yeah, we really do. Just just believe how you want to. You leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. And and that's it. Kind of fizzled out because. What was so vital and important to the culture in that day now has just kind of uh, ended up. We're we're just tolerant, but but we can't be just. We we can't just we we, we can't just settle to to say you believe how you we we believe this is truth, amen. The answer to the question of how many gods there are still matters. Just because we're not debating it, just because we're not going on the news about it, just be, the, the answer to the question of how many gods there are still matters. Why does it matter? I'll tell you why it matters. How many, your belief of how many gods there are totally shapes the way you view Scripture. It does. The Your belief on how many gods there are totally shapes the way that you read this book. To believe that God sent someone else to die on the cross versus God robed himself in flesh and died on a cross, that's a big contrast. That's a big difference. To believe God, you can to believe God sent someone else or God wrote Himself, that's a difference. That's a massive difference that will shape your view on the entirety of Scripture. So, why does it matter how many gods, how many gods there are? That I know that because it shapes the way that you view all of Scripture. Number two, to believe. That there, and the answer today, I, I'm not going to hide the answer. We believe that there is one God, and his name is Jesus. We believe that. Amen. But throw, throw James 2 and 19. I, I'm answering the question of why it believes or why it matters what we, what we believe as it pertains to how many gods there are. It, it, to read verses like this. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. To believe that there is more than one God and read verses like that, you have to, I almost don't have the words here, but you have to find your way around scriptures like that. If you believe that there is more than one God, now listen, we cannot prove anything in Scripture by one verse. Everybody understand that? You do not, you do not believe, uh, uh, we do not practice something based on one Scripture alone. But the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. So we don't look at just one verse, but I'm using this one verse to prove to you a point. You can't, if you believe that there is more than one God, what is the explanation to the verses that say there is only one God? 
to, to do these oracle gymnastics around verses like this, you, you, it, it totally shapes the way that you view and look at Scripture. So, so I, it does matter how you, how you believe, whether there's one God or there's more than one. All right? Number, uh, number three, why, do, why does it matter, the answer to the question, uh, how many gods there are? Because if you don't know that Jesus is God, the Bible says you might be tempted to worship something else. You might be tempted to worship something else. I will remind you that the Bible says God will send false Christs and false prophets who will perform miracles and deceive the very elect. Now listen, I'm not an expert on the end times. Pastor is. I'm not. Uh, that was supposed to be funny. It wasn't. He is an expert on the end. He's an expert on everything. Um, <laughs> digging myself out of a hole here. Come on. But uh, in Matthew 24, I, I'm, I'm not an expert of how all of this pans out, but I do know what Scripture says, Matthew 24 and 23. Read this with me. Then if any man shall say, this is talking about the end times, the coming of the Lord. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. Next verse. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders. They're going to, these false Christs, these false prophets are going to perform signs and wonders. Now, whether we're here or not, when all this goes down, that's for you and, and, and uh, y'all figure that out. But I do know what the scripture says, that false Christs, amen, are going to be present on the earth. They're going to perform miracles insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Scripture says that those that can be shaken in that day will be shaken. The people that can be moved in that day will be moved. Why will God send these and allow people to be deceived? Second Thessalonians 2 and 9. Everybody with me? Everybody good? Everybody good? Even him. Who's coming? Talking about the end times. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Next. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might not be saved. Why, did, why is God sending false Christs that perform miracles? He's sending them for people that did not receive a love for truth, for people that do not believe that this thing. Listen, now's not the time to waver in our faith in what we believe. We need to love the truth, buy the truth, and sell it not. Next, next verse on that, 11. And for this cause, God shall send them. God, God, God shall send them. That's God. I don't understand it, 
but it's going to happen. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, 12, and that they might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, it matters that we believe there is only one God. It matters. I don't want to, when this thing's wrapping up, I don't want to be shaken. When this, when this world's coming to an end, I don't want to be deceived. When this world, when, when Jesus is getting ready to come back for his church, I don't want to waver in my belief. They perform miracles. Are they God? Are they Christ? I don't want to waver in that. I, I, in, in the midst of all of that stuff that's going to go on, I want to have a steady and sure foundation. I want to have a love for his truth. So it matters that that I believe that there is one God because it shapes the way that I view Scripture. It matters that I believe that there is one God because I, if, if I don't believe that, I have to skate around or explain my way around verses that declares there is one God. And number three, it's important to know that there is one God because if I don't know that Jesus is God, I might be tempted to worship something else. Now, let's get in... <clears throat> to the subject of how many gods there are. Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God, somebody say God, created the heaven and the earth. God, one. God created the heaven and the earth. The, the Bible from the very beginning in creation declares to us that God created the heavens and the earth. Isaiah 44 and 24, thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer and he that formed thee from the womb. Watch, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone. Somebody say alone. That spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Amen. Well, Cody, what about Genesis 1 and 26? I'm, I'm glad you asked about it. Jesus uh, uh, in creation, Genesis 1.26, God said, let us, somebody say let us, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Cody, if, if that's true, if, if there's only one God, in creation, if there's only one God in Scripture, why, why did he say here, let us make man in our image? Well, the explanation is in the next verse. Look at 27. So God created man in his own image, singular. God created man in his own, uh, listen, there's a lot of theological explanations to 26, that, that he was speaking in, in great might and power, that he was speaking God operates outside of time. And Romans 5 says, looking at Romans 5 declared, I don't have time to get into it today, but Romans 5 declares he was looking at Christ. and God. So God operates outside of time. But, but beyond all of that, the next verse provides explanation. God created man in his own image. Amen. I don't know exactly what went down at 26, but I do know 
that the end of the story is God created man in his own image. Somebody say amen. And the image of God created he, he, him, male and female, created he, them. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power, this, this, this is so good. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Watch here. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, somebody say the firstborn, of every creature. That's why Jesus could say in the New Testament, before Abraham was, I am. Because Jesus is God. He's the firstborn of every creature. For Watch, watch this. This is Colossians. This is New Testament. This is speaking of Jesus. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things. Somebody say all things. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. Watch the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence. Amen. The Bible says that God, amen, that Jesus, the Bible declares to us that Jesus is God. He is the visible image of the invisible God. Amen. Colossians tells us that. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Amen. There is only one God. So we find at creation that there is only one God. And we find prophecy of this one God robing himself in flesh. Isaiah 9 and 6. Everybody with me? Everybody good? I got a lot to cover. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. Somebody say that. The Mighty God. He said that that child that is born is going to be called the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. When Jesus came to this earth, he came appearing as any other baby. The outside of that baby looked ordinary and typical. He came with the appearance of just being another baby. But Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, was not just a man. He was more than a man. He was more than a carpenter. He was more than a great teacher. But Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 declares to us exactly who he is. When, it, when the Bible says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Somebody say Emmanuel which being interpreted is, somebody say it with me, God with us, amen, God with us. Jesus is God with us. 
Amen. First Timothy chapter 3 and 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Watch. God was manifest in the flesh. Woo. Justified in the spirit. Now, now listen, he's talking about He's talking about God here. So you got to understand it's talking about God. When everything, every one of these points, God was manifest in the flesh. God was justified in the spirit. God was seen of angels. God was preached unto the Gentiles. God was believed on in the world. And God was received up into glory. There is only one God. And we know him through the image of Christ Jesus. Isaiah 43 and 11, I, even I am the Lord. And beside me, there is no Savior. Ephesians 4 and 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, I think you ought to clap your hands and praise him. Woo! Philippians 2 and 9, there's more, there's more, there's more. Wherefore, God also hath ex highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, was the Father and the Son at the same time. Just like he's the first and the last at the same time. Just like he's the alpha and the omega at the same time. Just like he's the root and the branch at the same time. Just like he's your counselor and he's your healer at the same time. He was father and son at the same time. That's why whatsoever we do in word or in deed, the scripture says, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. For neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. Woo. There is only one God. Amen. Jesus in the Gospels. I got to hurry. Jesus. Uh, yeah, let me go here. Jesus in the Gospels. It's easy to get, to get bogged down in the Gospels because Jesus refers to the Father a lot. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus is continuously referring to the Father. He says, the Father has sent me. The Father, it's the Father that does the works. He prays to the Father. 
he, he, he references the Father all throughout the Gospels. And you'll find that that, that became um, somewhat confusing for the disciples because they, they wondered, they, they struggled with this. John chapter 14 and 8, uh, if you would throw that up there, Philip, Philip finally got brave enough to ask us to ask the question. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Philip had heard conversation, had heard Jesus continuously say, refer to the Father. And, and Philip was one of the brave disciples that finally said, Jesus, if you'll show us the Father, we'll be suffice. We'll be good. We'll be happy. Just show us who this Father is. Next verse. Watch what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, have I been so long time with you, and yet, that, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Philip said, let us see the Father. Jesus said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Are any of our kids in here, honey? No? It's because you're, you're trying to listen today. Um, now, uh, that, was, that was mean, and that didn't mean to, I didn't mean to mean that in a mean way. You're always listening, but I, you, you know what I mean. I love you so much. That came out wrong. I love you. I'm not very good at words sometimes. So it's almost our 11th anniversary, by the way, just so you know. Thank you. I just said that so you would clap and I could get out of get out of trouble. I love you so much. But let's say let's say um, let's say you're Winston. Come here, Isaac. Let's say let's say let's say you're Winston. You're not Winston, but but let's say let's say you're my son. Here, come here, come here. Let the people see you. You look nice today. Um, <laughs> um, now, if you're my son, okay. This this example is a little rough because you're not my son. But let's say you're my son. Um, Jesus said. Philip, have I not been so long with you? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Now, I could not, if, if somebody came up to Winston, this is Winston, everybody say hi, Winston. If this is Winston, and, and somebody says to Winston, Winston, show us your father. Show us your dad. And, and if Winston looks back at, the, at them and says, have I not been so long with you? If you've seen me, you've seen my dad. Winston can't say that because Winston and I are not the same person. We're a different age. We're very much so a different weight. I got some gray hairs. He's, 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 he's at a different stage of life than I am. There's a lot of differences between me and Winston. But the reason Jesus could say is that the reason Jesus could say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, is because there was no difference. 
There was no no separation between him and the Father. Jesus is the Father, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. So he could say that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because he was the Father. Jesus is the Father and the Son at the same time. Amen. John, I want to bring a revelation out of this. John John 14 uh, and 28, ye have heard how I said to you, I go away. Jesus was saying this to his disciples, come again to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. That's confusing at first glance. Jesus said to his disciples, to the people that left everything behind to follow him, Jesus said to his disciples, if you loved me, you would rejoice because I'm leaving. Now listen. If you left everything, your home, your business, your wealth, if you left everything behind to follow somebody and they said to you that they are leaving, you're not going to be rejoicing. But Jesus said, if you loved me, you would rejoice because I'm leaving. Here's the explanation. Because my father is greater than I. What was he saying to his disciples? Now think of this in the whole context of one God. Show us the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen. Think of this in that entire context. He said, if you loved me, you would rejoice because I go to the Father and my Father is greater than I. He was not saying in that scripture that another God or another person is greater than me. He was saying in that scripture, men, you've walked with me for three and a half years. I've taught you. I've equipped you. I've given you everything that I have. If you loved me, you would rejoice because my father is greater than I. He was not saying It's a separate thing. He was saying to these men, men, if you loved me, you would rejoice that I am leaving because my spirit is greater than my flesh. The spirit of God is greater than the flesh of God because the whole purpose of the flesh of Jesus Christ was to take that flesh and nail it to a cross and on that cross innocent blood was spilled out into the earth and shed for you and I the purpose of the flesh amen was to open up an opportunity for men and women alike to receive his spirit so he was saying to a generation. Ladies and gentlemen, you thought this was good. You thought the miracles of three and a half years was good. You just wait till I fill you with my spirit. You just wait. That's why he said, greater works than these shall ye do. Because I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and I will be in you. The Spirit of God is greater than the flesh of God. In his flesh, he got hungry. 
But in the spirit, he fed thousands. In his flesh, he got thirsty. But in the spirit, he was the living water. In the flesh, he drank the wine. But in the spirit, he turned the water into wine. In the flesh he was tempted, but in the spirit he conquered the tempter. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest way that man has ever experienced God is when God inhabits a man. This temple, not made with hands, not formed by men, but the greatest way man has ever experienced God is when he fills you with his spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost which is the Spirit of God in you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, amen, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not depending, amen, on an individual. We are not depending on somebody who is limited and finite. We are depending on a God who is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, who is able to do something for you and you and you at the same time. He's able to lead you and direct you and save you and heal you. God, amen, is available to all of us. Amen. Stand with me all over the building. I've got so many more notes I can't, I can't possibly, I can't possibly cover, cover, but here's what you need to understand. I'll, I'll end on this. I, man, I had really good material. You need to go through next steps. If you haven't gone through next steps, I got a page from next steps about the Godhead. There's some great material. Registration's coming up at the end of the month. Don't miss it. That was a commercial break. Water. I'm thirsty, so I'm going to take it. This was ice at the beginning. It's a little melted now. That's That's the ice machine back there. It makes those little ice pellets. Those are godly. It's just fun throwing ice at, at young people sometimes. Yeah. I love you guys so much. Just water. Water. I should have let it warm up. But when steam comes out of this thing, it's water. All water in different forms. Water, water, water. Father, Spirit, Son. All different forms. All different manifestations. Spirit of the Lord descended as a dove and all of these different visible signs and images and, and water, water. There it is. You see it? It worked. Water, water, water. Father, Spirit, Son. Different manifestations of God, still all God. 
still all expressions of the one true living holy righteous powerful god I'm so glad that I know him. For they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Would you lift your hands and would you would you exalt? Would you love? Amen. Would you magnify that God of heaven and earth? Lord, we thank you today for the revelation and knowledge of who you are, of who you are. We're not going to waver. We're not going to stumble. We're not going to be deceived. But we believe today that you are one, that you are one. You did not send another, but you came all by yourself. We exalt you as one. We magnify you as one. You are one God, and we exalt you today. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord and magnify him. Amen, amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today at First Word. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. You're welcome to pray. Spend time at the altar today and pray. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.